As we are working our way towards a Canada Day-long weekend, uh, I want to mention a couple of Canadian music uh, icons. And I do mean icons. I I hate when people throw that word around and it doesn't really apply when the person is more just somebody of note or or a star. But uh, I think when we talk Brian Adams and Corey Hart, we're legit talking icons. And uh, Corey Hart, a friend of the show and a a good Canadian kid, uh, I love what he did the other night uh, out in B.C., Corey, of course, is a back. You remember we had him on the show and we were uh, talking about being back after uh, 20 plus years away from the music uh, business and just uh, how thankful he was to uh, reconnect and reunite with his fans. Well, so much so that uh, the other night, again, when he was in uh, B.C., he decided to uh, honor the tickets uh, from one longtime fan who actually had her tickets from way back in 1987. Apparently, uh, Corey was set to uh, play out in that area and uh, had to cancel the show for uh, some reason. And uh, Angela is her name. She was 14 at the time. She says that she was uh, heartbroken. She was crestfallen that uh, her hero, her her musical idol, uh, Corey Hart, wasn't able to make it. But she held on to the tickets. And I guess word got back to Corey about this. So he said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Uh, don't worry about buying tickets uh, for this show in uh, 2019. We'll honor your tickets from 1987 how great how cool is that and apparently they were uh, vip tickets uh, meet and greet so uh cory met her uh, after the show and uh, made amends but uh, what a memory uh, for angela and what a great and very cool thing for cory hart to do meantime as i mentioned uh, brian adams is also in the news to you from uh, Reckless, of course, which, uh, for my money, I think you can make a pretty good argument. Maybe back to front, the best Canadian album of all time. Reckless. And uh, we've got a word now that apparently in a uh, Hollywood blaze that dates back, I think, to uh, 2008, Universal Studios has admitted that they lost a lot of uh, the master tapes and master copies to a lot of big albums, including uh, Brian Adams' Reckless. Eric Alper is a music expert, and he joins us here now on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Eric, good afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, Am I wrong in saying you can make a pretty good case, Reckless, uh, Back to Front, Best Canadian Album of All Time? Oh, I would think so. I mean, that would certainly be my choice. When you just take a look at the amount of hits, it seemed like every single song on the record hit the billboard top 40 and also i think it busted the doors it didn't even open i think it busted down so many doors for canadian artists and canadian record labels to see the uk and especially the united states as a viable opportunity for rock and roll in this country and that led to the Corey hearts and the spoons and honeymoon suite and kim mitchell and so many classic rock artists that are still going today um having that kind of success because Reckless busted through. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head. Run to You, Somebody, Summer of 69, Heaven, uh, Heaven was on that album, right? Uh, yeah. It's Only Love with uh, Tina one, Turner. Yeah, uh, One Night Love Affair. Right. <laughs> oh, just, it, it, it's almost like a classic rock station right there. Yeah, that whole album. I mean, we yeah. just named six, I think, top ten hits there right, right off the top of our head. So uh, having said that, obviously a great record, uh, but 
some not great news regarding Reckless. Uh, tell us uh, what's going on here with the Universal Studios and this fire from uh, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah, so back in nineteen, uh, back in 2008, there was a warehouse fire at Universal Studios in Los Angeles. And along with hundreds and hundreds, and we're talking about seven to 800 artists right now that we know of, their master recordings were housed in this building that caught on fire. Now, it, when you're a, a company as large as Universal or Sony or Warner Music, you have your master recordings in various places around America. You're not just dealing with like one reel-to-reel tape of the drums. You're dealing with possibly every second that the artist was in the studio, and that amounts to the original recordings that all future recordings are based on. So that's why it's so important is because they just can't take a CD and remaster that. They have to go back to the original source file as much as possible. It would be like the equivalent of taking a VHS tape and then trying to make a DVD quality out of it. It just doesn't work. But now it turned out that in that fire that Universal kind of kept on the down low, um, you're not only talking about Canadian artists like Brian Adams, but also Canadian artists like Gino Vanelli and Buffy St. Marie um, have their master recordings that are potentially lost as well, along with huge artists like Soundgarden and Steve Earle and Tom Petty. And this is just coming to light to not only uh, for us, but for a lot of these artists in the last, uh, you know, several months or maybe even uh, a few of them might have heard about it a year or two ago. I think uh, Adam says he found out about it when he went to go get the master tapes for the 30th anniversary of uh, Reckless, which was released in uh, 1984. Uh, So is there, I think, a class action lawsuit on behalf of a lot of these artists? Because uh, they're rightfully pretty angry about this. Yeah, so far there's whole Soundgarden, Steve Earle, Tom Petty, and Tupac Shakur's estate um, have filed a $100 million lawsuit against uh, Universal last uh, Friday, claiming that the company breached its obligation to protect their recordings and to disclose any income received from the settlements and the fire's aftermath. Because why this story came to light now was back when the fire happened, Universal actually took up on the insurance policy, received some money from it, but didn't actually, it looks like, allegedly, pass it on to the artist whose master recordings were lost. It looks like that they might have just kept it. So that's where this issue is now coming into light, and artists are coming out, especially on social media, um, claiming that, oh, this is why we were never able to do a 25th anniversary of this album or a record, a re-recording of this. In fact, Chris Novoselic, the bassist for Nirvana, actually came out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and said, this is probably why we couldn't have this recording or that recording from Nevermind, one of the greatest albums of all time. It's kind of filtering down now, all thanks to the New York Times, who did months and months and months of research on this one fire. Uh, it's a classic battle, isn't it? The artist versus the suits. <laughs> Here we yeah. go again. Yeah, and it's also just about protecting the integrity and, and, and the recordings, which, you know, other than the exploitation of catalog, is one of the things that a record label is supposed to be doing is just protecting those recordings from, um, you know, any damages. Well, I wanted to ask you about the protection or lack thereof, because where do we know where these tapes were housed, that they were susceptible to a fire? Because I would have thought if these are master tapes from some of the uh, master works of a lot of uh, very influential and big artists, 
that they'd be warehoused in vaults or uh, down below in, in the ground somewhere where, you know, they were well protected from something like a fire. You would think that. Um, there, there's decades of stories of people finding original master recordings in people's attics or somebody, you know, took them home, whether accidentally or on purpose, um, around the world. This is where we end up with, um, with bootleg copies of unreleased material of, say, a Bob Dylan or even Nirvana. But for the most part, though, they're pretty good at protecting um, the artist's masters. They're usually in temperature-controlled, security-controlled warehouses that are steel-belted that have security system around the clock. Something happened during that fire that wasn't supposed to. And I'm not talking about just the fire itself, but just the actual fire, I think, was a lot bigger than than what was made out to be. And in fact, it's not just the musical side that's being affected by this. It turned out that there was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of props and um, original scripts on the film side and on the TV side that was lost in this fire as well. But if you talk to some of the other record labels, they'll tell you that this may not be the only location of their master recording. Like I said, it's, it's sometimes around the world, um, especially here in Canada, where they're probably protecting it in the same places um, that's, that's in Toronto. Joined by music expert Eric Alper, we're talking about this uh, fire that recently has come to light at Universal Studios in Hollywood back in 2008, a blaze which saw a lot of uh, master tapes from uh, master works from a lot of artists, including Brian Adams, uh, go up in smoke, go up in flame, uh, literally. And I think you touched on this a minute or two ago, Eric, but I wanted to explore this a little more with you. And for those that don't know, why master tapes are, are so important? Because I think as music fans, we've all seen from time to time an album has been remastered or, or, or reissued. And a lot of people think that's just a marketing gimmick. But are you saying, like, if you take, uh, if you've got the master tapes, uh, you can actually kind of rework uh, some of the uh, some of the tracks? Absolutely. So just for those people who may not be aware, a track usually is one tape of an instrument or a part of the song. So it could be, let's take the Beatles, for instance. It could be Paul McCartney's bass line is on track number one. And then John Lennon's um, guitar might be on track number two. And Ringo Starr's drums might be on track number three and so forth. And those are the actual recordings. And, and as time goes on and technology became better, at least in the taping of instruments, say the microphones got better or computers were able to pick up things that even a microphone couldn't in the 70s and 80s. They always considered the master tapes, the actual tape that was in the recording studio while the song was being recorded as the master one. That's the golden ticket for everything else, whether it was cassette tapes or CDs or uh, DVDs or anything like that. So once those tapes are lost or stolen or can't be found, well, then you have to go to the next best thing. And that could be the first vinyl copy that was ever released, let's say. And then that makes the CD and then the digital copy. Or if you can't find that, then in some cases I know of like an actual MP3 that we used to listen to on um, on our iPod uh, and, uh, on our iPod. But basically, that master recording is so important because that's where you end up with the remastered and re-releases that we know of today. The box set of Sgt. Pepper or the Beatles' Love Remix album came from the original master recordings and then just kind of filtered through the best technology that mm. money can buy. And it's not only a market 
marketing thing when they want to remaster and reissue something. But uh, as you were saying, uh, this is the tape of record. It, it was rolling. And in some cases, uh, I mean, wouldn't you want to hear like a Brian Adams in the studio kind of uh, working out, I don't know, run to you with a Bob Clearmountain who produced the album and uh, maybe Jim Valance, his longtime songwriting partners in there as well. I mean, it's got historical significance. Yeah, and, and that's exactly it. Like it's not it's it, it's all it's not just about Brian Adams not being able to do re-releases of Reckless. I think that he'll be okay. But then, of course, you know, if I'm Brian Adams, I'm really mad. But on the historical side, we're talking about Muddy Waters and Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald and Joni Mitchell and Merle Haggard or Captain Beefheart or Buddy Holly. Talking about the architects of rock and roll that may not even have their original recordings around except for what is available to the general public. This is really music from 1920, 1930 that tells the story of not just America, but the world when it comes to race and culture and the economic system and the government. These are actual recordings, not just of these artists, but Martin Luther King's speeches are lost in there. So this is these are pretty historical documents as much as watching a film and students being able to learn from that. Music is just as important, if not more important, because it actually tells more of a story in those three-minute grooves. Yeah, and when you look at this through that lens, what a loss. What a loss uh, this uh, fire has uh, spawned. Eric, uh, thanks as always. I uh, really appreciate the time. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. We'll talk soon. You got it. There goes music expert Eric Elper.